Welcome to the Blackout Podcast, where I get to talk to amazing people who do amazing things. And today I have my friend, someone I've been dying to talk to, and poet Fikayo. Thanks for coming to the podcast today. Thank you for having me. Okay, so before we get into the spoken word thing, how are you doing? How am I doing? Mm. I'm I'm good, for the most part. (laughs) (laughs) I think I'm in a season where it's like, I don't know, there's this meme where they say, are you living your best life or are you going through things and i think it's a good combination that's how i'm feeling right now living your best life while going through things exactly <laughs> <laughs> that's the name of the season okay okay um yeah well so um you're originally from nigeria yes. and you also lived in the philippines before yes. moving here let's talk about our journey okay yeah okay so yes i lived in nigeria up until i was 14 and then i moved to the philippines and then I came here when I was 16 and I came for school. So I went straight to Acadia in Wolfville and yeah, now I'm 21. (laughs) Where where have all the years gone? But I studied politics at Acadia. Um, In the Philippines, the experience was, I always say it like this. I think it was my black awakening. That was one of the big things. It was like, because in Nigeria, you're everybody's, just, everybody's black, you know, some people are light skin, some people are fair, but everybody's black at the end of the day. But when I moved to the Philippines, that's when I realized that race actually means something. And like, you know, it has impacts on like your self-esteem and like representation and things like that. So I was navigating that while navigating like other family dynamics. Um, I kind of became the elder sister overnight because it was just me and my brother and my mom. But I do have two older sisters who didn't come with us initially. So I took Mm. up lots of responsibility. So, yeah. And it was also like a crucial point in my life. Like I was 14. I was like, you know, coming to lots of realizations and all of that. So, yeah, that was that. Hmm. Okay. Do you, can you think of like a specific instance of something that made you realize, oh, wait, this thing is a thing. Like race? Mm. Hmm. I think one of the, (laughs) one that really sticks out to me is, my family and I, so me, my mom, my brother, we were going to like a mall or something. We got into a taxi um, and there was something up. I think like the taxi meter was reading really fast and my mom was like, what's going on to the taxi driver? And then he like threw a fit and I remember he said something specific. He was like, you're so black, you need to go back to where you're from. Wow. And that was one of the like, oh, wow. And this was recently when we moved as well, maybe like two or three months in. Mm. So, Yeah. Wow. That was one of the big ones. And then other, like, I want to say subtle things, things that I now know as microaggressions, but then I didn't really have definition to these things mm. in school from, oh my gosh, from teachers. <laughs> it's all coming back to me now. Mm. Um, yeah. Yeah. What? From teachers? Yeah. Like, what would happen? So there was this one teacher. Oh my God. I think, I don't know. If she was pregnant. I don't know if that contributed i don't know if she just disliked me but she would always make remarks about how big i am and how distracting it is for her what it was the most absurd 
I, I don't know. I don't know what was wrong with her, but she, she just did not like me. And it was just me. And there were other international students in the class, mm. but I was the only black one in like the whole frigging high school. So she just would always have something to say about me, how I looked, what I said. Wow. I'm surprised I even passed her course, but. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you're good, you're good. True. Um, was there any difference when you now moved to Canada? In some ways, yeah. I will say, when I compare like my racial experience in Canada to that of my friends, I think, in a weird way, living in the Philippines first definitely gave me ah, sort of an edge. Right, 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 because, right, right. Like, I was like, oh, this is normal. <laughs> yeah. I've been through this. <laughs> so my friends were having their own race right. awakening while I was just like, this is mm, uh, Monday. Whatever. It's an actual day again. <laughs> right. You know, so. So it's like you're already in the fire and this is just like, you know, like. Yeah. Nothing. Exactly. I so, see. yeah, that's how I felt. Definitely it's different. I think when I moved here, then I got to start to understand, like, the relations between, like, whiteness and... Because Filipinos aren't white. So mm -hmm. it's it's different in some ways. Mm -hmm. um, but then I started to understand, like, power dynamics and institutions and things like that. And how it's not just the prejudice thing, but racism runs deeper than just, like, person-to-person -person bias. And mm -hmm. it's, like, systemic and things like that. And, yeah, it wasn't just through, like relations with people it was also through school because i studied politics so all of those things were also like intertwined why did you decide to study politics <laughs> what so okay let me tell you the story so right. i had two choices career like career wise that my mm -hmm. mom was like you know nigerian parents she was like i'm not gonna pay for you to study this in school right, right, right. so i wanted to do psychology she said no why not because you know what i think okay and and maybe I think it's it's like the coolest job in the world. Literally, you sit down and right. listen to people and then they I, pay I you know. money. Are you kidding me? Are you like, kidding me? You sit down, you people, if that's even a word. And then they pay you. And you hear people's stories all day. But I think it can also be a little bit detrimental if you're like very... I don't know. You get attached to Oh, you're an emotional, are you? I am. Oh. So I'm thinking about the five clients right, I had. Right, right, <laughs> like, right, right. But I think part of your training is kind of how to detach. True, how detach, to separate. Yeah. I mean, I guess. I mean, I think that is one of the cool, like, when people say, you know, I just went to my therapist mm -hmm. and, and then I see the thing and like, I just go and talk to someone and I pay him 250 bucks. Mm -hmm. What? That's a, that's, a, that's a lot of money. What? <laughs> Anyway, so she said no. Um, yeah, so she said no. I wanted to to do journalism. She said no. Why not? Because like, like we have like really cool journalists in Nigeria. We do. My dad was a journalist. Oh, and so that's a whole different story. Oh, but right, she right. said no. Is it because like because her dad was a journalist? Probably. Okay. I think I don't know. I just she she had a weird opposite of the affinity word to that career and everything. She still does. But plot twist, I'm still gonna pursue journalism, but now she doesn't have to pay for it. So. Right, I'm so gonna I do my do shit. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, and she's a diplomat, so she's like into the political world and all of that. And then so I thought, 
politics is really broad. Right. Like, you can do a lot with politics. So I was like, I'll I'll do that and, you know, see where it takes me. And she was like, yeah. She's like, sure. You'll be a diplomat too. <laughs> exactly. She was like, you'll be a diplomat. You'll be the next ambassador, blah, 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 blah. I was like, sure. <laughs> <laughs> Just pay my fees, please. <laughs> <laughs> how was, uh, I was, we're good. How was Acadia though? Acadia was, um, hmm. Okay, I don't know. I'm I'm thinking of a word to this. Akita was interesting. It was an experience. For That's sure. the one in Wolfville, right? Yes, in Wolfville. Um, my first two years, I didn't do much, like on campus wise, and like like I had my group of friends. I'd go to class, but I didn't do much. And then COVID hit, mm. and then I we have a Black Student Association, and I became president of that from 2020 to 2022. So it was two years. And that's when I started to get involved in lots of like campus initiatives and like sit on this committee and that committee. Why this... did you decide to run for that position? So the pre- the person who was president at that time was looking for people to take over because I think they were graduating or mm. like they just didn't want to do it anymore. And I was like, I'll do it, I guess. So it was kind of like we always struggle with that with the BSA, like to find people to continue it. Oh. So I was like, I'll do it. Why do you think? That's a problem. I think I think people are tired, to be honest. Right. I think people just have this racial awareness fatigue and you kind of just want to go to school and get just, school done and get out. Mm. And it's also a thing of like you you have these associations, you um, join these committees, you say your truth, but little changes or like the change is really really slow Mm. and this is not just Acadia this is just institutions in general and so students are like I was working on this in my first year it's my fourth year it still hasn't changed like what's what's the use of joining anything so but I I mean you did what are some of the things you did for your two years um well so I was part of this committee it was it was a task force actually of of racism or about race. Um, so I was on the committee. It was with presidents, some um, like staff members, administrators, and I think one of the things we came out with was like a recommendation list to the university for things to like do. Mm. So we did that. Um, one of the big things I did was hosting lots of events for like the black students on campus, just for things for us to do. To be honest, because there wasn't lots to do that like made us feel safe and comfortable in our own spaces. Mm. So lots of events, um, me and other students also like we, and this is something that was happening even before I became president. Mm-hmm. We wanted a space for black students. So like a black student room or lounge or something like right. that. So we worked on that and it was just lots of advocacy. Like it wasn't like I was there building the space or anything. <laughs> <laughs> like, it was just lots of advocacy. Like this is why we need this. This is why students want this. Mm. And so I remember that came to be, I think in my very last semester before I graduated, mm-hmm. Um, so that was really big and that's something students really enjoy and that gives us also space to do our own events as opposed to like having to book space look for oh my gosh please can we do this here Mm. um so that was that was a big big thing what else i mean you don't even need to add more you obviously did a lot (laughs) but i'm just saying like the whole political advocacy thing Mm -hmm. what you were learning in school definitely helped in that position yes for sure like there was a lot of transference Oh my gosh, there was this one course that I took. It wasn't even a politics course. It was a women and gender studies course taught by 
this beautiful black woman professor. And I always say that course changed the course of my life. Like, quite literally, because... So it was called Women of the African Diaspora. And that's where I started to learn about the dynamics of race and whiteness and capitalism and all of those things, misogyny, misogynoir, and just how... It was a validation of a lot of the experiences I'd had in university and even in the Philippines that I couldn't name, that I couldn't give definition or meaning to. So, like, I would be in that class just like, wow. Mm. (laughs) So, yeah, that definitely, like, made a path for me in terms of, like, being really involved with the BSA and just my level of awareness in general for things like that. Yeah. Wow, wow, wow. Okay. Okay, so Acadia is done. Yeah. Um, Actually, let's reverse it a little bit, though. So... You you wanted to study those things mm-hmm. before your mom was like, no, nope, mm-hmm. not on my dime. <laughs> um, what did you want to be growing up? Growing up, I wanted to be a doctor, but like, I think that was just, I don't, <laughs> even, know why. <laughs> I don't even know why. I think that was just some weird childhood fantasy. And then I realized like, I'm squeamish and I just, oh, I don't want to yeah, do any of those things. Good luck with that. So I was like, no, no, no. <laughs> and then, for the longest time, I really wanted to be a psychologist. Like, that was the one thing. I remember I would read these big-ass psychology... Sorry, can I... Yes, okay. yes, yes. I would read these big-ass psychology books for no reason. <laughs> but I was just really passionate about, like, understanding the mind and helping people. And Are you so like passionate that. about it? Then? I still am. Why not study that versus wanting to study journalism? I think journalism just is more encompassing of more of my um, talents and interests. So like Language, yeah. poetry, writing, reading, talking to people. Like I have a podcast. Um, I, should, I really love writing <laughs> and reading and just literary things in general. Mm. Um, dabble into videography and things like that. So I feel like journalism is just that, you know. Um, but nonetheless, I still I still like read some psychology related things. I'll listen to a podcast here and there. But I, I don't think it's something I would pursue as a career. There's so much money there. Also, <laughs> journalism is so difficult these days, though. Yes, so I've heard. <laughs> it's true. Still, I'm like, That's I'm still going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. Makes um, me want to do it even more, to be honest. Because, <laughs> like, I'm going to prove them wrong. Exactly. Do you have that? Like, I'll show you. Um, It's more like I'll show myself, to be right. honest. Like, because I have lots of, like, self-doubt and imposter syndrome. Why? Actually, well, well, we'll talk about... But, okay, let's start with that. Why? Why? Where is that from? I, I think it comes from lots of childhood experiences of just not being validated, mm. reassured. My family dynamic was very interesting growing up. Mm. And so that sort of like emotional validation like you know how african nigerian parents would be like put a roof over your head put plate on food on your plates and things like that but sometimes that emotional presence is really missing Mm. and i think i lacked a lot of that so did my siblings and i don't know it just it really affected me and it really still does and so now i try to find that encouragement in myself 
and even now still through my mom like through my parents like i think the older we've gotten the Mm. more we're able to express certain things to them of like you know you did this or you do this it doesn't really make me feel good and you know things like that Mm. so yeah just anyway so how do you i guess combat that how do you fight how do you handle that (sighs) i think one thing i constantly go back to is like why am i so afraid of this like why like i'd be like you know i'll make a podcast episode or something it will take me days to edit days to post because i'm just procrastinating Mm -hmm. and i'll be like okay what are you really scared of like what are you really scared of and when i get through that i'm like okay maybe i'm scared of what people will say i'll be like at the end of the day i don't really give a shit So I'm like, you know what? Let's just post it. People will talk, whatever they say. I think criticism is also something I struggle with. And I try to tell myself that criticism can be good and constructive for me. Um, And yeah, how else do I combat it? I have have some really hard conversations with myself and really hard conversations with other people as well. See, you're your own therapist. You're already doing that cycle. (laughs) (laughs) Please. No, I feel like sometimes I do that to a fault, actually, where I psychoanalyze myself a little too much. Mm. And I'm like, I need to, like, just live life and stop trying to fix myself. But you know one thing, though? One thing that comes to me when you're saying that is that whatever anyone is going to do, it can't be as bad as what you're doing to yourself. True. So it's like, true. what what is the worst you can possibly do? On the other hand, though, how do you, I guess be nicer to yourself um i try to catch myself when i'm doing negative talk so Mm. it's like like even everyday everyday talk like i'll do something i'll make a mistake and i'll be like oh my dumb ass just did this 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 like try to catch myself when i say things like that about Mm. myself give myself more grace in like like even going on to the conversation of like financial security i'm only recently getting there and so like being able to buy myself more things without feeling so guilty about it mm-hmm. and just grace in general. I think that's the one thing I go back to because I, I've been really hard on myself for many reasons. Mm. Um, and I'll also add this in there. I live with a condition that like makes my blood clot unnecessarily And so I take blood thinners for that. And so basically what happens is that blood pools in my legs. So my legs are usually like almost always swollen. They hurt? They do hurt. So the more it swells, the heavier it gets, the more it hurts. And so that affects a lot, a a huge part of my life. Like my life is planned around that. Not in a way where it rules my life, but in a way where I can do things better because I take that into consideration. Because for, for a long time of my life, and I've lived with this for like, 10 years i didn't plan around it i would just do stuff and that i wish i didn't do that because i think that would have saved me so much pain and so much discomfort and things like that so how did how did i even get here Um, oh giving myself grace so so yeah that's that's part of how i fight that man that's heavy though oh wow I can't even imagine. I'm like, I'm a wuss. Like, I I, I stubbed my toe now. 
the whole world has <laughs> to come really, and I tell me sorry. <laughs> they have to come and tell me sorry and give, give me ice cream and like tell me that the sky is not oh falling. Gosh, I can't even imagine no. dealing with that. Yeah, it's 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 been a long and still is a long journey because it's a lifelong thing. Like there's no cure. It's just management. Right. And um, like I learn every day. Even just this summer, I learned that um, the heat makes it worse because with the heat, your and it veins has dilate. So hot. Exactly, your veins dilate, and so the blood circulation is even harder for your veins to do. Mm. So I've just been recently managing that as well, and it also bleeds into like my self-image. It's like, okay, what can I wear? How does this look? Does wow. this look weird? Like, <sighs> yeah. It's wow. a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, so I guess that is a nice segue into the podcast. Mm. Why did you decide to start it? What are some of the things you talk about? How okay. do you produce it? Um. Okay, in that order. So, Okay Thoughts is the name of my podcast. Um, what is that name? Okay is a word. It's wordplay on what my friends call me, which is Kayo, K-A-Y-O. So I kind of just like reshuffled it. I don't know. I thought it was clever. Right, you just took the O from the hey, yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I, I like it still. Um, why did I start it? I started it in... Wait, no. Actually, let's backtrack. I like talking. <laughs> <laughs> okay. No, for real. I right, like talking. Right. Like I remember when I recently moved to the Philippines, talking... Like... N- and this sounds so weird to no one in particular was one of my escapes like just talking about how i felt with the whole move because now that i look back at it that was that was a lot Mm -hmm. just those initial months of moving and everything so i would talk i would write a lot too that's when a lot of my writing started um so jump to 2020 that's when i started the podcast and i think it was just another point in my life that was hard and i was like you know what Why don't I actually record this? I know a lot of things. I have lots of life experience. People have podcasts. They do well. I listen to lots of podcasts and I'm like, I guess I can be one of those people. (laughs) So, um, yeah, I started recording just on my phone then. I think I actually had a friend. Oh, my gosh. And we had a separate podcast, but that didn't go too far. (laughs) She moved schools and Uh it was a whole thing. But, um. Did the COVID have anything to do with you? It definitely did. I, I don't know. Nothing to do. Like, less, more time to mm-hmm. just mess around, I guess. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's kind of why I started. And then, yeah, how I produced. I just used my phone. I would edit on Audacity, I think it's called. And I would just post it to Spotify, and mm. Apple Music or Apple Podcast, I guess. Um what was the other question? Yeah, no, 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 no. Okay. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you're right on track. So, I mean, okay, you have okay thoughts instead yes. of KO thoughts. Yes. Okay. Uh, okay. So, okay thoughts. Um, you, you, how, like, what was the frequency of release? So, I think before, so I recently deleted, well, I didn't delete, I archived a bunch of my episodes. Like early this year. So between 2020 and now, I had released, I think, eight episodes, nine. So it wasn't very frequent. Mm-hmm. Um, I would just do it as like the inspiration came. I don't really want to give myself a rigid schedule. I was in school. I mm. was doing too much. Now that I look <laughs> back at it, I'm like, 
at a point I was taking seven courses and had these extracurricular things. Ooh, I was I was why doing way so too. many courses. I wanted to graduate on time. Uh, like <laughs> I could not tell my mom I have another semester. Like <laughs> who's gonna pay the, the school fees? Okay. Yeah. So yeah, I it was not frequent. It was not frequent. I just did it as I was inspired and You say you archived it? Yes. So all those those episodes are still archived? They are still archived. So everything now is kind of like brand it's, new? Yes. Was there a gap between... Oh, yes. Many gaps. What was the... <laughs> <laughs> Many gaps. What was the reason for the break? Um, I think I just decided... I was like, okay, let me be realistic. This is not something I can be consistent with, given that I'm trying to figure out all these things all the of things, my life yeah. right now. So I was just like, you know what, let's just stop. I also wanted like new equipment, like an actual mic and, you know, just, I wanted to be in a more comfortable headspace and mm-hmm. physical space to, to do it again. And so I took a break, I think from last, last year to whenever I posted my first episode this year, which I think will be February. Mm. Yeah. Probably a whole year. Wow. Yeah. How do you decide on the things you want to talk about? Um, so <laughs> I have this thing where like if I'm watching a movie or I'm just like doing life, I'll see something and I'll be like, oh my gosh, I should like talk about this on my show. So I'll write it down. And uh, when I'm like when it's time for me to produce another episode, I'll go through that list and be like, okay, what am I most inspired to talk about this week? And I'll and sometimes it just comes to me like I mean, you have this list. There's mm-hmm. gotta be a lot of the which what about the one you decide to record calls mm. to you? Um, I think maybe if like something in my life has, like I've just recently experienced something that relates to something that's on the list mm-hmm. or maybe like a friend and I were just talking about it or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's never usually too deep. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> Why not? Cause, cause the vibe I get is like this, all is dead to you. Mm-hmm. And it seems like a podcast is a nice place to mm-hmm. share that. Yeah. Why not? There is depth, but like, I mean, in the process of choosing what to talk about, mm. it's usually, it's usually just experience based. It's like, did I recently experience this? Did my friend, did we have a conversation about it? Um, but in terms of like what I actually talk about and the things I say when I record, there definitely is depth. Mm. Yeah. Oh, of all the topics, actually, let's start with the archived ones. Okay. If there's one that <laughs> from the archived ones that mm. is like, hmm, that one I should bring it up. Oh, and, oh my well, gosh. What did you talk I've about? I've actually been thinking about this recently. I think um, I can't remember what exactly I titled it, but it was something about big girl empowerment and like the whole fat girl movement and. Um, I think, oh, there was another one that I, I talked about validation versus reassurance. But What's I'll talk the difference? Hmm. So <laughs> in that episode at that time, I had talked about how um, a lot of people say that seeking validation from external people is wrong or like it's not something that you should do too much and things like that. Mm. Um, and then I think I actually kind of like phrase it in terms of like being in a romantic relationship, for instance, and how maybe you shouldn't seek validation from your partner, 
But reassurance is something that I feel like should be allowed and is important because you're two different or, I don't know, three different people depending on the dynamic of your relationship. And I just just really think reassurance is important sometimes because Mm -hmm. you never know what doubts your partner has. um, And just having those conversations can be really helpful. When it comes to you, how do you give reassurance? And how do you want to be reassured? Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> that would be $250, please. Thank you for this because this is, this is not free information. <laughs> um, how do I give reassurance? I think I learned to give reassurance based on conversations that I've had with the person. Right. So if they tell me that they struggle with feeling like they've done enough for mm. me or they're there for me, I'll, I'll say it. I'll be like, you've been really around for me this week. I really appreciate that you did this or did that. Mm -hmm. Like actually acknowledging the efforts that they make. Mm. Um, And how I like to receive reassurance, similarly, to be honest, like based on the things that I tell you that we talk about, um, if if I say I'm struggling with something and you're like, you know, you're doing great. Mm. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then, so those were the archived ones Mm -hmm. from the live episodes. Mm. Which one would you be like, hmm, Mm. that one? I think, I think it'll be two. So one of it would be when I sort of, I guess, did something like this, interviewed a friend of mine who's a videographer in Halifax. Um, Well, he's a videographer in general. He just happens to be living in Halifax. Mm -hmm. Um, And that was something I've been wanting to do for a long time, like have someone else on my podcast. Um, But I just hadn't gotten around to like actually doing it. And him being so talented and being a good friend of mine, it just all came together so beautifully. Mm -hmm. Like the recording process was great. Like we were messing around, like (laughs) not in that way. See? <laughs> okay, I need to rephrase that because that sounds wrong. <laughs> we were just, you're just like messing around. Not like we were joking around. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. He was he had fixed the camera at so many different angles and he was just so amused by it and so proud of himself. So mm. that's what we were laughing about. But I love that because it was like it was an achievement for me and that conversation was really it was a good conversation with a friend mm. and then the other one would be my most recent um where i talk about adulting so <laughs> i give hard truths and useful tips and can you share some sure 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 <laughs> so i think one of the hard truths that i'd shared is that there is no and i think this is common knowledge but there is no handbook for adulting mm-hmm. like People will tell you things, you will you will have to experience certain things. Like, as much as we want to avoid the hardships and everything, you just have to learn by experience sometimes, a mm. lot of times, actually. So there's no handbook. You have to go through certain things. It will be hard. You will have moments where you're like, you know what? I give up. Like, I don't want to do this anymore. Mm. It will be hard. You will have those moments. But you need to... Um, one thing that I... We're going to get a little a little deep here. That's but okay. for me, <laughs> I think where I catch myself when it gets hard is when I start to live life on autopilot 
and I start to live life for other people in a literal sense. Like the only reason I'm still here is that I'm thinking, what's my mom going to do if I'm not here anymore? What's my best friend going to do if I'm not here anymore? And so that's when I'm like, okay, Fikayo, you need to do something exciting. Like, you know, start to do things that you like again, mm. pick it up. Um, yeah. Those are some things I talked about in that episode. Wow. Okay. <laughs> and um, now that it's back, mm. <clears throat> um, like, is the frequency picking up? Or? Yes. The frequency <clears throat> is picking up. It's still not what I'd love it to be. Ideally, I'd love it to be two episodes per month and then graduate from there. Right now, I'm doing more like an episode per month. Mm -hmm. but it's still much better than it was before. So I mean, like... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because my math is bad, but two years and eight episodes, you know. No, right? <laughs> so my math is bad too. I'm not going to try to calculate that. But <laughs> um, yeah, I think even just the way it is now, I'm still... Because one thing about me is that I... But your writing, uh, <laughs> I guess you have to write it before you speak it. So mm. where did your writing come from? Like, was it that point where you said you just moved to Philippines? Or were you writing before that? Largely, I was reading before that. What would you read? Man. <laughs> <laughs> no, like, I would read... I remember the first book I ever read was Half of a Yellow Sun. Chimamanda oh, right, 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 right. Um, I read that what book. What is a book of? I've not read. Really? I, yeah, I know. I don't know. Uh, it's, it's a good book about the... The war? The, the Civil War. The Nigerian yeah. Civil War. Nigeria Biafra War. Um, and it, it like, talks about this specific, I guess, family, if you want to call it then. They're different individuals kind of woven into a family as the story goes on. And it talks about their lives and how they survived through the war, how they got closer, how they got distant. It also talks about, like, the histories. It's all intertwined in there. Really good book. So, what do you love about it? So, I think it's the way Chimamanda writes. Like, <sighs> reading her books are like an experience. Like, you experience oh, wait, they the made it into a movie, right? They did, but I'm sorry, the movie is trash. No, it was trash. <laughs> I don't think movies are ever as good as the books. No, like, see, you need to I, I have book. an answer to that. Do you really? know why? Why? This is what happens. When you read, mm. you, you're you playing the film in your head. Yes. And there's never going to be a film as good as that one. No. So, no, so that's like, why. All the internal monologue, all of those things, it's cut out. Right. It's, it's, oh, so man. you can't have that in it the just, film. So compare. you don't have to. You just have to. You know, when you're adapting a film, I, I'm trying to adapt this beautiful novel. Mm. And I just learned that, you know, you, you're you walking into different medium, right? Yes. Book is different from film. Mm -hmm. And then film has its own rules and books have their own rules. Yeah, like, there are things that, I mean, and the other thing is, mm. with a book, you're just kind of writing and those people might like it or not. Mm -hmm. And then they'll buy it. But with a film, it's not going to happen until someone that has money like it. True. So you're going to go and be like, okay, you know what? This is like the book. I like it. Mm -hmm. And they're like, yeah, we don't have money for this and this, this and this, this and this. Yeah. And cut that cut out. out. Yeah. So, that's true. Okay, anyway. So what did you love about the? But yeah, the way Chimamanda writes, the way she finds a way to blend the, the history and the things that you may not necessarily read for fun mm. into a story and how it, it just comes together so seamlessly it piques your interest more 
and the characters as well, some so so absurd <laughs> mm. in an interesting way that you want to know more about them. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I remember the first line in that novel is Master was a little crazy. And I don't know, something about that first line was just like, oh, I want to read more about this. Mm-hmm. But um, that was the first book I ever read. I think I was like, I was like nine years old. It was a big book. And I read it again. I think this might have been 2021. Did Did you notice any differences between... That's why I read it again. Because I was like, did I love the book? Because like I was nine years old reading a big-ass book and I just felt accomplished. Or did I love the book? I did love the book. Mm. So I read it again and I was like, yes, this yeah. book is is good. And obviously, for sure, I was able to understand more because I know more now. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah. Okay, so you read it, mm-hmm. and then when did you start writing your stuff? So, I started writing when I moved to Manila, um, the Philippines. I didn't really write much in Nigeria. What things did you write? So, like, I think I started with, like, weird short stories, because my sister is also a writer, my sister right before me, so I kind of, like, would read her stuff and, like, adopt some of the stuff she writes into my <laughs> own stuff. They'd be like, oh, this sounds cool. Right. Um, so I write, like, little short stories, little poems. Um, oh, and, like, I loved English in school. So, like, if we did, like, reading comprehension and, like, those subjects, they'll be like, go write a story about this, this, that. I enjoyed doing those things. What books would you read in your high school? Um... So, like, you know, the standard, like, Things Fall Apart, right, right, like, right. Um, the small novels. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so in Manila, you'd be writing about copying your sister, I guess. In Manila, I would be writing about my, how I felt. Like my so it was like a diary age. and shit? Yes, sort of. Like, okay. a, it was a coming of age kind of writing. Um yeah, mainly. Do you still have those writing? Like, did you write on paper? Or I like... did write it on paper. I don't know where those books are. They're See, in my mother's house somewhere. This is what I tell people <laughs> about writing on paper. Because it's gone right on oh, your I phone. I was Fair I enough. I don't even have a phone. I don't even think I had a phone. Right, right, right. Maybe I did. So where do you write now? On your computer or Both. still write? I have the notes. The infamous notes app is, right. um, is a lifesaver. So I do that. Sometimes I'll write on my computer. Some things I need paper. I, I don't know. But why? It's something about penning it down. I agree. It's just something uh, about I, like, <laughs> going through the words. Right. <laughs> no, I agree though. I'm not I'm not gonna argue with that. Mm. What I'm gonna say is that my writing sucks. So mm. sometimes I'll write something, I'll be like, what 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 is this thing supposed to be? <laughs> not you not being able to read your writing. I'm telling you, I'm writing like a doctor, man. You know how the doctors mm-hmm. are writing? Are. It's like, yeah. Uh, so I'm just mean. like, give me my phone or give mm. me a laptop. I'll I just type what it. I need. That makes and sense. And then autocorrect is also there. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Okay. Yeah. Um. So, and then when did he go from writing on the thing to actually saying it? So, huh. I think, oh, actually, one of the first episodes of my podcast was me reading out something I'd written. I think it was about expression, just like self-expression. So I would say 2020, Mm. um, because that was when I released my first episode. And then 
I did a workshop that was part of the Black Canadian Summit. I think it was this time last year, actually. Oh, the thing in the in the thing in the the convention center. Yeah. Yes. So I did a workshop with uh, big poets from Canada, and that was like my first ever writing workshop that I went to. Oh, nice. And so we went through these exercises, and um, we would like say what we wrote out after that. This was virtual, and then we because. It happened some weeks before the actual conference. So All we were right. like going through it with them exactly. Right, and then right, when right. we had the conference, we then like met and we gathered and oh. then some of us recited what we wrote. Did and you? then yes, I did. What was the thing called? Write Us Beautiful. That was what the workshop was called. No, what, what was the title of the thing you wrote? Oh, oh, there were there were many. Oh, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> I can't remember. I think one one had to do with my heritage, like as a Yoruba woman, as a Nigerian woman. Mm. Um, I can't remember much of it, but I remember that was the theme. Mm-hmm. And then my most recent would have been at a spoken word event by a creative outlet, I guess, here in Halifax called, I think it's called Mayu with the Abstract. Mm. So they had a spoken word event. They actually do have one today crazy um correlation but i performed at that i was part of the lineup and i performed something are you performing today too i might i'm not part of the lineup but i might perform as part of the open mic yes because there's an open mic segment we'll see how i'm feeling (laughs) but um so i performed there and that was like that has been the most recent and i think the most jarring but also exciting for me um yeah, it was. What was, was the? Good. What did you? What was the poem called? Um, Lost in the Countless. What was it about? It was about. <laughs> it was about me being lost in everything else and trying to find myself. So it was like another another coming of age kind of piece, oh. and it was about me trying to find myself amidst um, validation from men and. Um, what's it called, like imposter syndrome and things like that and like my own traumas and childhood experiences and trying to find myself outside of myself but not looking within Mm. to like, you know, find out what was going on. So basically kind of like the season you are in now, which is the best of times and then you're still going through things. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Basically. (laughs) And honestly, I feel like isn't that just life? Right. 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 We're just, it's like, you know, you're just navigating right? your boat. Like one thing sometimes done, the waves will come. Sometimes it's, it's stable. Mellow. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's kind of hard to, you know, come out hard after it's like, now you've, you've made it so I can write whatever I want. True. True. <laughs> true. So and are you going to ever write a book or it's always going to be poems? I, I, I think I'd. I think the first thing I would do is like a poem collection. Right. Yes. Um, and That's then always, yeah. At some point, I think I want to write an autobiography. Oh. Like later in life. <laughs> <laughs> later in life. And then in terms of novels, I... <sighs> I have commitment issues. <laughs> so oh. I don't know that I will be able to write a full novel. Unless unless I there's something. Like, unless there's something. Unless like it's like uh, a contract and you have to fulfill maybe, it. Maybe, exactly. I feel like I'd be more skilled or just better to write a collection of short stories. That's a book also. I guess. 
Yes, yes, yes. It's definitely a book. Yeah, yeah. But like a whole novel of like one storyline, one plot that evolves. And that just feels beyond me. Maybe but you should just, knows? you know, start with your collection of poems, then do a collection of short stories. Yeah. And then like, you know what? I like this story so much. I'm going to make gonna the big on one. It. True. Very yeah. true. Okay. Anyway, last question. Last question. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you're navigating this crazy sea that we live in. Yes. Um, what are things that you do to take care of yourself? Mm. Mm. I like that question. So this is something I've been trying to incorporate more in my life as I learn more about myself and my health condition and some practical things. Like one thing I really wanted to do this year and have been able to achieve is create a morning routine for myself that like aligns with how my body works. So my mornings, some days will consist of waking up at like maybe 5.30, going Mm. to the gym, coming back, getting ready for work. Other practical things I'll do within that time is like not look at my phone too much, not go on social media, Um, pray, not, it sounds bad, but like not respond to texts from family. (laughs) (laughs) Those things can be very jarring. I'm like, there are certain things you don't want to wake up to in the morning. Yeah. Um, so things like that. Also, like, taking my interests more seriously. So if, like, I'm reading up on something and it piques my interest, I'm like, okay, let's Google more about this as opposed to just letting this sit in my head undeveloped. Mm-hmm. Um, I love people watching. So I'll go to coffee shops and mm-hmm. just read a book or write, you know, I'll... I'll do the whole aesthetic. <laughs> Look like a mysterious girl. Um, I really love to do that. I love to go on walks, but then again, with my condition, mm. you know, even with the gym, that's also balancing that with my health is also challenging. And so my self-care has a lot to do with that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, just not overworking myself and taking breaks when I need them and not not compromising on when I know I need to rest. When I know, I'm sorry, I know we planned this. I hate to cancel, but I can't work out because I am not physically okay to do this. And with things like these, it's like, it's very complex because it's it's not necessarily a disability. Right. But it is something like, because of this, sometimes I literally cannot get out of bed. Mm. It is something that has the capacity to disable me. Mm. But... People have lots of biases and it's like they don't see it and it's it's hard to explain. It's hard to. And so for a lot of years because of that, I just would act like it wasn't even there. And because I wanted to avoid having to explain and having to. But now I'm like, if they don't understand, that's not that's that's not my business. That's not not for them to understand. (laughs) That's not the fingers I want to put up. (laughs) (laughs) It's like. So, yeah. No, I mean, I got to say, one thing I've learned is that it doesn't have to be physical for it mm, to be a disability. Exactly, so exactly. If something is making you not be able to do what every other person can do, mm-hmm. or like what the majority of the People population can do, can do yeah. then it is. So, exactly, I mean, exactly. Anyway, ah, I got to say, you know, uh, it's awesome always chatting with you. And I had, you, you know, the funniest thing is that yeah. actually... Your social media is crazy and we didn't even talk about it. So really? you have to come back for us to talk about <laughs> okay. just your Instagram. I'll be here again. But uh, Wait, why is it crazy though? 
This is a serious question. I said it's a, it's a different episode. Like, okay. we have to plan to record okay. out. Anyway, but um, I can't let you go without at least doing a spoken word. True. But yeah. I want to say thank you so much for coming and sharing so much about thank yourself. Thank you for having me. This was, this was lovely. I enjoyed having this conversation. The history of hip-hop conjures an experience that cannot be replicated even in our present. It cannot be dominated. They try, but it cannot be appropriated. Why wouldn't they just seek inspiration? as opposed to trying to take it all for themselves. Then they wonder why their albums won't sell, not realizing this is meant to be a cultural exchange. Collaborative efforts is what gave hip hop this much range. Trap, grime, crunk, mumble rap, even bleeding into soul and R&B. Then came Dr. Dre and other producers with the beats, Tupac and Biggie with the heat and the hits. It wasn't a small thing, these artists shook the industry. Whoever showed them the method, man, they were good. Hip-hop tells us a never-ending story, one of friendship, rivalry, frame, and glory. Let me tell you my tale. I was 16 when I got to know Kendrick. He did much more than boost my morale on the days life decided to play tricks. He exposed me to a world of wordplay and poetic devices. In a way, that kept me away from vices. When the darkness of the nights mimicked what, my, what went on in my mind, I focused my attention on dissecting his lyrics. When I was 16, I hung up Miguel's posters in my dorm room. They would take off with takeoff. They would take off with bad and bougie where takeoff was left off. My obsession with them was unfound. My friends would laugh that this was mumble rap and nothing compared to the likes of Tupac. I would respond that mumble rap was still rap. And that's part of the beauty of hip hop, versatility. At 18, the uncanny ability for music to bring tranquility to my soul increased exponentially. I started my days with Smino and ended them with Childish Gambino. Little Sims was so cool to me. Flowetry may not have been conventional hip-hop, but it is poetry, and that makes up conventional hip-hop. Now in my 20s, I am able to hear the legacies of hip-hop in almost every genre of music I listen to. How much this music would influence me and heal me at 16, I never knew. But now, it is a part of me. It was with me every inch that I grew. It is almost like I am hip-hop. So I say again, the history of hip-hop conjures an experience that cannot be replicated even in our present. And in addition, the experience hip-hop conjures cannot be accurately told. It must be learned and lived by the knowledge seeker. So if your mind is curious and your soul is bold, let music flow through you and always remember that hip-hop and poetry created the mold. Thank you. That's the end of my piece.